Welcome to another episode of Devils Talking Padres. Dominic Stern alongside me is Bobby Murphy. And the Padres just took two out of three from the red-hot Arizona Diamondbacks. Have now extended their playoff lead to four games over the Milwaukee Brewers. Currently tied, but holding that sixth spot due to tiebreakers behind the Philadelphia Phillies. This is as good of a chance as the Potters have had to be a playoff team this year. The lead has never really been this big anytime late in the season. It was never this big at this point last year. It was never this big, really even much bigger earlier in the season. It was maybe six games for a while, but four games with 24 games left. I mean, it would take a pretty bad collapse for the Potters, obviously, of six games against the Dodgers and a couple more against playoff teams. But it seems like the Padres are going to be making the playoffs have about a 90% chance, according to fan graphs. Yeah, Dom, and this is a great series for the San Diego Padres and one that just inspired a little bit of hope. I mean, a walk-off, of course, and then winning the rubber match on Wednesday just leads to more momentum going into our next series against the Dodgers. But a day off on Friday will be nice. Well, of course, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but give Soto a rest day, give the bullpen a rest day after looking great in those last two games. And the offense looked great in the last two games of the series. They got shut out in the first game, but six runs in each of the last two games of this series against the D-backs. But Exciting series win, and I'm glad the Padres were able to get it, and super excited to keep it going and get into the playoffs. Yeah, let's break it down a little bit closer. Padres were outscored to begin the series 10 to nothing. They then won the rest of the series 12 to 3. So overall got outscored by the Arizona Diamondbacks, but won 2 out of 3. That's really what matters. Game one was a 5 nothing loss, a very ugly game. Blake Snell is phenomenal. He's continued to have a really good second half really positioning himself to honestly be the game two starter, for the San Diego Padres, which is kind of crazy considering where the rotation was at the beginning of the year, but he's been that good. Six innings, one earned 10 strikeout, but unfortunately he got the loss because the Padres didn't score in this game. And then the bullpen really faltered after Snell came out. Steven Wilson, a lot of run, didn't look bad. It was just a home run, but that's what happens. And then Nick Martinez allowed two runs, kind of got dinged up a little bit, but then responded the next two games. We'll talk about that. And then Josh Hader allowed a run, didn't allow any hits, but a walk came around to score. So Josh Hader didn't rebound from that save that the Potters were hoping for did come in and get a save later in the series. And the offense was pitiful for the Padres. Only had four hits. They're facing Ryan Nelson making his major league debut. Just a really bad performance from the Padres in this game, with the exception of Jerickson Profar, who had two extra base hits, and Blake Snell, like I mentioned, six innings, one earned 10 Ks. And for this game, I mean... This was the game that I thought the Padres were for sure going to win coming into the series. A rookie who went seven shutout making his debut against Blake Snell, who, like you said, looks great. Six innings, one run, 10 Ks. And of course, again, the offense was just really bad. Struck out seven times, only had four hits in the game, half of those from Profar, but 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Not even a lot of opportunities for this game, but game that coming into the series, I mean, I was so disappointed after this loss because then I was like, the Padres have from these next two and they did, but I'll be happy with the series sweep. I mean, with the series win here after that awful first game. And I mentioned on the last podcast that it was going to be a battle of a pitcher making his debut on the road or just making their first road start in their major league career. And then the team coming off Saturday Night Baseball, which was the Padres, also saw that the Padres went 0-3 the season in their first game after leaving Dodgers Stadium. So that was also something that I saw, you know, makes sense. The Padres had to exert a lot of energy in a late game and turn around and play the next day when the Diamondbacks got a little bit more rest playing an early afternoon game. 
they probably got into San Diego before the Padres did. And they were playing against a Brewers team that was really struggling. The Diamondbacks came in a little more confident than the Padres did after a blowout loss. And then I don't want to say a blowout loss in Sunday Night Baseball, but a really backbreaking loss after blowing it. So obviously the vibes were pretty low after that loss going into game number two. And especially once the Diamondbacks got off to a 5 nothing lead through five innings. And Merrill Kelly, who Padres killer, was pitching really well, just filling up the strikes and the Padres couldn't do anything with him. But... To the Padres' credit, they battled and they were able to then get across three runs in the fifth inning on two-run home run from Jake Cronenworth after a Josh Bell walk and then a Hassan Kim home run. So when the Padres did that back-to-back, they got back into the game. Then a run in the seventh on a home run by Josh Bell, 422 feet to opposite field. That ball was absolutely crushed. And then a ninth-inning rally after Juan Soto and Manny Machado couldn't tie the game up in the eighth. Just an awesome rally and big props to Jose Azokar, who worked a nine pitch walk, the plate appearance before Alfaro, of course, got his big clutch hit. That's been his, his go-to. He's been the X factor kind of wearing my LFGSD shirt right now. And celebration from that win yesterday. I mean, Alfaro doesn't get the chance to win the game if Azokar, who normally doesn't hit against right-handed pitchers, doesn't come through there and credit to Bob Melvin. He put, Azokar in against the lefty, replacing Grisham. He drew the walk, and then he didn't go to Beatty. He trusted Azokar. And Bob Melvin has gotten a lot of crap from Padre fans for some of the mistakes he's made, and he's definitely made some. not saying he hasn't, but Bob Melvin believes in his guys. And there was no better example of that than believing in Azokar, worked the walk, and then Alfaro got the victory. This was just so exciting for Padres fans and, of course, for the team itself. But like you said, Merrill Kelly looked solid in this game. I mean, he went deep into the game. And after Musgrove did not look great, four and a third, got hit pretty hard, nine hits, two walks, four and runs, and then a one and a run. But he had three home runs. This is not one of his better starts of the season at all. And this was just such a great game in the second half for the Padres. I mean, the bullpen looked great. Hill, Suarez... Garcia, Nick Martinez on his second game in a row. Sure, got two guys in and in, in, in for the win after he pitched the top of the ninth. But bullpen looked great in this game. They really kept the Padres in it. Yeah, I mean, just home runs galore for the Padres in these last two games. Like you said, Cronenworth came in Bell. All home run. Bell's Oppa home run was great. And then bottom of the ninth, I mean, down to the last out. Myers single to center, which honestly could have been caught, could have been disastrous if it was missed. But props to Myers for getting on base there, of course, keeping the game going. And then Jose Azokar, nine pitch at bat. I mean, just fouling off pitches, 2-2 count, fouling off pitches, drawing the walk to keep the game going again. And then my brother and dad were sitting there right behind home. You can see them celebrating on the walk-off. But this fourth of the season, my dad has actually been to Alfaro's last two walk-offs. I was at the third one, but so exciting. I mean... Great guy in the clubhouse, fan favorite, Jorge Alfaro, and he just keeps it going every single time. And like, yeah, like you said, I'm so glad that Azokar was up there instead of Matt Beatty. I mean, he, Matt Beatty is just such an awful hitter at the MLB level. I mean, he'll do good in AAA, get called up, and then just be atrocious for this team at the plate. And I'm surprised he's honestly still on the active roster. But props to the Padres for coming back in this game and really turning it around because that was a huge one. Well, the whole reason Beatty's still on the roster is because Preller wants to hold off any chance that he can be a successful Padre after trading River Ryan to the Dodgers, who wasn't really on the radar in the Padre system and has jumped all the way up the Dodgers prospect list and is probably going to be a top 100 prospect next season. Just Preller trying to hold on to whatever value he can get 
out of guys. And Alfaro is going to be a Padre next year unless they non-tender him or if they trade him. But after that, a free agent, I mean, he's certainly proving his case as a 29-year-old that he belongs in the major leagues for the Padres literally just traded him for cash. I mean, the Marlins were ready to give up on Alfaro. It's proven them wrong. And he hasn't had a great year by any stretch of the imagination. He's been an average hitter and he's probably been a below average catcher. But when the Potters have needed a big moment, it feels like Alfaro has delivered every single time. I mean, obviously the iconic one is the walk-off home run to score the only runs of the day against the Marlins on Mother's Day. Obviously, that wasn't the LFGSD one. The other three have been, but he's been there when the Potters have needed him. So he deserves a ton of credit. But like I mentioned, Jose Zocar, and you gave the props to Will Myers. Thank you for that. He had a good series too. I think that those guys, they don't get the attention when you're looking at the Padres for being a playoff team. It goes to Manny Machado. It goes to the starting pitchers. It goes to a couple of the relievers, but those guys have filled their roles and Will Myers isn't having a good offensive year by any stretch of the imagination. Now there is a Zocar, but they're starting to settle in and that's what really matters for the Potters and Will Myers, who we'll talk about a little bit later. If he can really get settled in, that's a player that the Potters are really going to like coming off the bench in the postseason. I think the Potters are going to have a solid bench when it's all said and done. But I think that those guys deserve more credit than they're getting. Not so much from the Potters fan base, because I feel like they know their guys, but from the national standpoint. And just wanted to talk about the bullpen in this game, because I know you, you touched on it a little bit, but they came in in the fifth inning. Tim Hill got five outs, and he was the only guy to allow a base runner. Allowed just one hit. He struck out two. Suarez struck out two in a scoreless inning, and then came in in a jam again on Wednesday and got out of it. Martinez struck out two, got the win. Like, these guys have come in and been so dependable. And Sammy Venbo wrote an article for East Village Times about the bullpen being an anchor for this team going into the postseason. I couldn't agree anymore. I think right now it's the strength of the team. It's not a dig on the rotation. I don't think it's at its best right now. But I think that when you take a look at it, this bullpen is really delivering for the Padres. Yeah, and the bullpen, which looked great in this series, or yeah, the last two games. I mean, Suarez and Martinez worked pretty hard in the series. I'm pretty sure Martinez pitched all three games. But the last two games, they pitched phenomenal ball. We'll talk about the third game in a second, the bullpen. But yeah, I mean, they've been totally been one of the strengths of the team right now. And one thing, this, this might come out weird, but one thing that I love about this series, Machado and Soto, 0 for 24 combined. And this lineup was still able to produce six runs in each of the last two games and get a series win in a series where the Padres' two best hitters and two of the best hitters of the generation are just hitless for the for an entire series. And that's, I mean, of course, not a knock on them. Why I'm saying this, but just for the entire lineup, I mean, they're able to produce it. They're able to get wins in runs with Kim Myers, Zokar, Alfaro, guys at the bottom of the order are the guys who won us this series, of course, along with the bullpen, but these guys really delivered when they needed to. And it, I mean, I know the Padres are not in a bad spot right now, of course, still in a wild card spot, but that walk-off win could really be the turnaround for the season. That little daughter series this weekend that could go terribly wrong but either way huge win it would have been awful if the Padres had lost this series so the bullpen and the bottom of the lineup really secured the series win we need to address the elephant in the room Bobby Paddington Paddington will be the spirit animal of the Devil's Talking Padres podcast (laughs) because Bobby and I weren't able to watch this game and it's of course blacked out here in Arizona unless you have 
Valley Sports Arizona. So unless if we wanted to give a virus to our computer, we couldn't watch any of these games. Fortunately, okay. the Wednesday one was on Fox Sports 1. So we were watching Paddington with my roommate and obviously one of my best friends, also one of Bobby's best friends too. And we're in a movie theater. We're all watching Paddington and we're, we're following the game on the MLB app and you get like the game cast and it says play runs and Bobby and I both get up like, yeah, let's go. And our friend's like, hey, you know, shut up, watch the movie. And we're like, he's like, it's game, it's the game like 131. And we're both like, no, shut up. And then he got really mad, but that's not the point of the story. Where were all of you when the Padres won this game? Because I, I really think it's a turning point in the season. And if the Padres didn't win on Wednesday, it was going to mean nothing other than the fact that the Padres won a game that they had absolutely no business winning. But it could be the turning point. And if the Padres make any postseason run, because I mean, we're, we're not talking about the Brewers, but they were up by five on Tuesday and the Padres were down by five on Tuesday. Theoretically, both the Padres should have lost and the Brewers should have won. And then all of a sudden, the gaps cut to one game. Instead, it was put to three. And then after Wednesday's result, it's now four. I mean, that is a huge difference. And I'm going to remember the fact that, Bob, you and I were watching Paddington, a movie about a talking bear. The bear does talk when Jorge Alfaro got that walk off. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, first of all, that is great movies, great movies. I mean, Paddington one and two, I totally, I, I definitely recommend it. That was those were heartwarming, just great movies. But I mean, yes, where were you? We were watching Paddington and why? Cause it could definitely, cause it was blocked out. I mean, but other than that, I mean, Paddington spirit animal for this Padres team. I mean, Paddington, who's going to, who's going to sit here and tell me that he did not turn into Jorge Alfaro. I mean, he's a big, big teddy bear. He's such a great guy. And I just, I love Alfaro. And if the Padres did not win that on Wednesday, I mean, on Tuesday and they'd won Wednesday, I, I would not have cared. I mean, it's just a series loss. It would have been awful, but this definitely was the turnaround point for the Padres in the season. I know it's still late in the season and anything could happen this weekend until I get demoralized again against the Los Angeles Dodgers. But we'll talk about that series in a sec, but yeah. And just want to talk about game three a little bit before we do move on. I mean, just a home run derby went on, went on at Petco. I mean, I'm pretty sure the first six hits of the game were home runs. Padres went down 2-0 and then Profar tied with the two run homer. Cronworth hit it to the Crone zone in the second. And then Myers hit a home run to take the lead in the fourth. And then they never looked back after that. Bell and Kim both got RBIs to give the Padres some insurance. But again, bullpen in this game looked amazing. Suarez, Martinez, and Hayter all worked one inning shot out. And Darvish, quality starts, six innings, three runs, six Ks, three walks. Nothing special, nothing amazing. But the Padres offense was able to do what they needed to in this game. So I was happy with that Padres were, of course, able to take the rubber match. Yeah. And when you look at it, you mentioned it wasn't a special start in its own for Darvish, but when you consider what he's been able to do for the Padres, it's pretty significant. 19 straight starts going six innings and doing so in 24 of his last 26 starts. Well, those are his starts this year. So yeah, you're right. In this one start, it wasn't anything crazy. It was a quality start, but it's what he's been able to do. When you Darvish takes the mound, you know what you're getting out of him. And that's why he's probably going to be the game one starter the San Diego Padres, if they do make the playoffs. And I don't trust anyone more than him. I mean, maybe you could say I trust Blake Snell more than him. If you're going to make that argument, I say all power to you. I don't trust at this point, Joe Musgrove. I certainly don't trust Mike Clevenger. And I know no one trusts Sean Manaya, which we will talk about once we're done wrapping up this series. But 
Darvish, you, you can't give him enough credit. Like you mentioned, it wasn't like a special start, but the way he was able to navigate uh, after getting down to nothing to then throw through six innings, allowing just one more run. And the fact that the Padres are once again able to come from behind it was in the second. And it was only two runs, but it's something that's something that the Padres weren't doing for a large part of the season. And certainly for a while after this team got Soto, got Bell, got Drury and got haters. So encouraging trend for the San Diego Padres in these last two games to be able to come from behind. And yeah, you mentioned it. It was the home run derby. This team went two for seven with runners in scoring position. I mean, that's fine. That's not bad. It's not great. Left eight runners on base. But something that did happen is the Padres stole base. They're near the bottom of the league in that number. They also caught a runner stealing for the first time since July 5th, which is astoundingly bad. But you know what? You'll take it, especially considering it was Corbin Carroll, and he has 80-grade speed. He is incredibly fast. And it's the first time in over two months that a Padres catcher caught a runner trying to steal a base. So good trend, really impressive win for the Padres. Bullpen once again came in, shut it down, only allowed two base runners. Josh Hader, scoreless inning, only nine pitches. Jose Azokar made a nice running catch in right field. Juan Soto left. And Bob Melvin said that he thinks he's okay. He was actually hit by, I guess I don't want to say he was hit by two pitches. He got called out on strikes in his first at-bat and then was hit by a pitch in his second time at the plate. And then left the game. Trent Grisham replaced him, got a hit, scored a run. So Grisham did his part. But Juan Soto supposed to be okay. Melvin said he should be good to go for the game. And I'd imagine if he is good to go, they'll just throw him in at DH. Maybe Myers plays right or Azokar plays right. Not exactly sure. Dustin May is going to be on the mound, which, of course, we'll take a very good look at that series in just a second. But I'd imagine Soto is going to DH the first game just to ease him in there a little bit. And then you probably throw him in right for the next two games before an off day. And he should be fresh, should be good to go after the off day Thursday. So let's jump in to the upcoming series. Let's start with the starting pitchers for the Padres because there's two things we're going to talk about. The guys that are starting for them and the guys that aren't starting for the San Diego Padres. Because, of course, that is relevant this time around. Mike Clevenger gets the ball on game one on Friday. Snell, game two on Saturday. And Joe Musgrove in game three on Sunday. And if you're saying, well... What about Shamanaya? He started last Saturday. You would be right. The Padres and Bob Melvin are deciding to skip his start, help his arm get a little more fresh. His velo has definitely been a little bit down, and he's also not been good since the All-Star break. Got over an 8 ERA. He just has not been good. Uh, I've been contingent on keeping Manaya in the rotation. I I didn't want to send him out to the bullpen and bring in Martinez or start Kinnair, start Brian Weathers, who's now been working out of the bullpen for the Chihuahuas. So I think this is better than those options, but I also think it's the right thing. You can't start Manai against this Dodgers team. Now they're probably going to start him against the Mariners. We're also not 100% sure on that, but really good decision by the Padres to not start Manai. What are your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the three guys the Padres are going to be starting? Well, I'm glad that the Padres are skipping Manai's start. I mean, he would have probably gotten rocked in LA again and just a road game and the Dodgers lineup, two factors that would to be, of course, detrimental towards his success on the mound. But I'm totally fine skipping his start, get him fresh, get and just let him work on the kinks, whatever he's doing wrong. But yeah, for, I mean, for the Padres starters, Mike Clevenger, he started against the Dodgers twice this year and has not looked good at all. His last start against them was last weekend, three and a third, five runs, four hits, 
two walks. And then back in August, four and two thirds, seven hits, five runs, two home runs. Hasn't looked great in his two starts against the Dodgers, but the other two guys, Snell and Musgrove, have both been looking fine against them. Each of them have, have had one start. Snell didn't go deep into the game at all. 107 pitches in five innings, not the best, but he's going to work really hard. But still, only one run, 12 strikeouts, four walks. So just a really hardworking performance for Snell in that game. And I mean, I'll take that start all the time from him. He's not going six, seven innings every single time. But but if you're five innings over 100 pitches and you have 12 strikeouts in one run, I think that's still a great start, even if you're not going deep into the game. And then Musgrove, his one start against the Dodgers was just before the All-Star break. He, he looked solid in that game. 10 strikeouts, seven innings, three runs, two home runs. So only one start for him as well against the Dodgers this year. But Musgrove hasn't looked that great in his last three starts. I mean, he hasn't gone past the seventh inning. His start against the Giants is fun, but his start against the Royals and D-backs, he did not get past the fifth inning in either of those. But Musgrove against the Dodgers, that's a great matchup, great pitcher, great lineup. And love the Padres' chances with who's on the mound for the series. Of course, I would like to see Darvish over Clevenger, but of course, Darvish did just pitch. But off day on Thursday, should keep everyone rested for another day. So Snell and Musgrove, two of the Padres' top two, maybe three pitchers. I like our chances with who's out there. And the first time the Dodgers are coming to San Diego since the series in April, it's been a really long time. The Padres won't be going back to LA. Really weird scheduling for the fact that the Dodgers started the season in San Diego in terms of the season series. And then the next three times it was all played in LA. Not that it matters, but just an interesting nugget there. The guys that the Dodgers are going to be rolling out Dustin May on Friday, Julio Arias on Saturday. That's the same one too. They threw out against the Padres in the last series. And then Andrew Heaney is currently slated to start. They pushed him back a day. They're trying to keep him fresh for the playoffs, especially with the way that things have been going for their rotation. He's expected to start this time around after starting on Monday. That's of course gives him five days off. So we'll see if Heaney is going to be good to go for that one. But we already talked about those guys last time and the Padres fans have seen them recently. Arias was really good against the Padres. Dustin May was not good against the Padres. Heaney was good the last time in the second series in LA. Like I said, didn't pitch in this last one. So that'll be an interesting thing to monitor there because these are guys the Padres have seen recently. So it's going to be, are the Padres going to make their adjustments or continue to capitalize on, in the case of May, what they were able to do well? Or in the case of the Dodgers pitchers, is Urias going to continue to do what he did well? He needs the same thing. And is May going to make the adjustments? I I really don't know because I don't know exactly what the Potter's game plan is going to be going into those starts. But nice little chess match there between two teams that are very familiar with each other. Yeah. And like you said, either being familiar and adjusting or just being familiar and still struggling. But one of the biggest... X factors in this year. I'm not, I want to say X factor, but game one will be huge in the series to just dictate the rest of the series. I mean, I know the Padres won game one last weekend and then fell in the last two, but Justin May, who did not look good at all in his start against the Padres last Friday, five innings, six runs, five walks, two home runs. I mean, the Padres were making them work hard for pitches to throw strikes and they're staying patient and swing on pitches where they want to four hits, but Five, the five walks that they were able to draw in five innings against May was huge. They were able to get guys on, get an early lead, and the Padres ended up winning 7-1. to one. But with Urias, he looked really good in his start against the Padres last Saturday. Six innings, only two hits and one run. So hopefully the Padres are able to adjust against him and fix what they need to do. 
watch them play on Urias, just scout them a little bit more, and hopefully they will be able to adjust to that. But he, need, he didn't pitch last weekend, but last month, August 6th, a game that the Dodgers won 8-3, to but he didn't go deep into the game at all. 81 pitches in four and two-thirds, zero earned runs, but three runs. And they were able to, to get some runs on him, but not enough, of course, for the win because the Padres pitching staff sold in that game. But hopefully the Padres are able to just make some adjustments and I mean, they know these guys through their pitching. They've hit against them a lot over the past year, past year and a half, whatever. But adjustments will be huge for the series if the Padres want to take two games at all. And hopefully the Friar Faithful represents for the Padres in the series. Of course, first time the Dodgers have come to town since April, like I mentioned. And the Padres got a chance to really use that home field advantage against the Dodgers. We've seen it in the past two seasons this year and last year that the Padre crowds are so much stronger against the Dodgers than they have really ever been, at least in my lifetime. I can't really speak for what they were like in the 90s at Qualcomm because I never went to any of those games. But hopefully, Padres fans, if you're thinking about going to the games, you do. Obviously, if you sell the tickets, I really don't like people shaming people for that because it's their own money. And I personally know that my parents sold their tickets and they made way more money on those tickets than they could have for any game just because it's a Saturday against the Dodgers. So do what you want. But if you're thinking about it, we hope that you can make it to this series. We really don't need to dive into the bullpen and the lineup of the Dodgers because, I mean, you really saw all those guys just this past week. So, Bob, do you have anything else that you want to add? Before we wrap up this episode of Devil's Talking Padres. Uh, yes, just quick update on Soto. In the last 10, 15 minutes, he actually gave an update himself. He said he will definitely be okay by Friday. He said that the ball mostly hit his bone and he felt a little stiff when he was trying to swing. So sounds like he says he'll be out there on Friday. I know Melvin felt confident in that as well, but Soto himself is saying it. Again, like you said, he could be DH. He could be in right field. We'll see on Friday, but looks like he will be out there at least in the lineup. I did just see that too. So that's good. It really, it's kind of weird that he got pulled from the lineup, but it's going to be good to go. Soto's being extra careful with his body, which is never a problem. Good to see that he seems confident that he'll go on Friday. Obviously the medical staff is going to have first say on that. And like I said, I think that it'd probably be smart to DH him in that game. Roll Myers out there for another one, even though it's against a right-handed Dustin May. doesn't matter. The putters might also throw Matt Beatty on right field, which would suck, but whatever. And Brandon Drury will not be available until actually he might be available for that game. I'm not sure what is what day the week point is the seven day concussion IL is, but maybe he'll be back at this series against the Dodgers. Last thing I was just going to say, I mean, not huge news, but Fernando Tati Jr. did have the surgery. I forgot if he, if he was either Tuesday or Wednesday. I saw it in the last day or two, but he did finally have this, the long awaited surgery that all Padres fans were really hoping for. Hopefully it doesn't, Change the swing too much, like the same surgery did for Bellinger, but he did finally got the elusive surgery that has been affecting him for the last year. So hopefully he can come back healthy in May when he is ready to return to Major League Baseball. Yes, that also did happen. So that's good. Hopefully his suspension is going to get decreased if the Padres do make the playoffs. An opportunity once again against a good team to, you know, hopefully grow the lead over the Brewers. If not, at least just win one game against the Dodgers. That way, the chances of you dropping three games to the Brewers goes down. But we thank you all for tuning in to Devils Talking Padres. I'm Dominic Stern. That was Bobby Murphy. You can find us on Twitter at DMStern19 and at BobbyMurphy2000. Also, make sure to continue checking out eastvillagetimes.com. Coverage of the Padres, the Aztecs, the Loyal, the Wave, all San Diego sports. With that, 
We will wrap up this episode. We will come back with another episode on Sunday after the Padres take on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Thank you all for tuning in. Go Padres.